like to welcome our preacher for today, Helen Edwards from Stonehouse. Um, she's had one or two problems on the way, but she's here now safely, and uh, we look forward to hearing from her. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to everybody who's either with us in flesh or watching at home. My problems were mentioned. I got 10 minutes away from Siren and realised I'd not picked up any of my planning at all for the service, <laughs> which is a good way to start, isn't it? But I'm hoping that we'll get all right and Anton's going to hopefully deliver me a sermon at some point. But no need to worry. <laughs> We're all fine. God will provide. Let's take a moment of quiet together. Let's still our hearts as we come to worship together. Father God, as we gather in your presence this morning, we ask that we, you would open our eyes to seeing you, you in new ways today. You would open our ears to hear your word. You would open our hearts to receive your spirit once again. And that you would help us to use our hands as we leave this place to serve you in this world. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father God, we do indeed give you the glory. We give you our praise. We give you our worship. We thank you that there is nowhere we can go where you are not there. When we are in the highest of heights, you are there. When we are in the deepest valley, you remain alongside us in all that we do. Father God, we praise you that before anything we see around us existed, you were there. That all the elements, all the particles, all the atoms of this world were called into being by your voice. And we praise you for the wonder of creation, for the majestic sights and the intricate beauty. And Father God, we praise you for the people you have placed around each one of us. Those who care for us, those who love us, those who go out of their way to help us out. We thank you that through them we see your love for us. But Lord God, we're aware that so often we fail you. We're sorry for the times when we speak, when we should have remained quiet. We're sorry for the times when we should have spoken out, but we chose to remain silent. We're sorry for the moments that our actions, our thoughts or our words have caused hurt to you. But we thank you, Lord God, that in sending your son Jesus to this earth, to live a blameless life, to die on the cross, but then rise to life in glory. We thank you for that forgiveness that comes to each one of us, for that chance to start again. And we simply ask, Lord God, that you would help us in all that we do to serve you better. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's join together in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We're now going to hear our two readings for this morning, firstly from Jonah and then from Mark. Thank you. From the book of Jonah, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. The Gospel reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Jesus announces the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat 
with the hired men and followed him. Amen. Thank you. Two examples there of people who received instructions and how they reacted to those instructions. Are you good at following instructions? Wave your hands in the air. No one's done it. Put your hands on your head. Still no one's done it. Nobody here apparently likes following instructions. I'm not terribly good at following instructions myself. I like to make my own mind up about things and decide whether I think it's a good idea to do what I'm being told to do rather than just blindly jumping in. There's a story of a lady called Jean who woke up one morning, tried to put a dishwasher on and discovered the dishwasher was broken. And so in great panic, she got onto Facebook and found a local uh, plumber who could come and help out. And she spoke to the plumber and she said, can you come in tomorrow? I'm going to leave the key out for you under a mask. Can you come in and have a look at my dishwasher? Because I'm lost without it, really. She said, I have a dog, but just ignore him. He won't be a problem to you at all. He'll be fine. But whatever you do, do not speak to the parrot. Anyway, the following day comes around. And the workman arrives, as instructed, finds the key, lets himself into the house. And he's on doing the, uh, doing the dishwasher, trying to mend it. And he sees this dog, who is the biggest, angriest-looking dog he's ever seen. And he's a little bit concerned by the sight of the dog. But just as Jean said, the dog just lay there, watching everything that he did. And so he carried on. But the parrot was not quiet the whole time he was there, calling in names, shouting insults at him, telling him what he should do. And eventually this man lost his patience. And he looked at the parrot and said, will you shut up? And the parrot cocked his head on one side and said, get him, Spike. (laughs) Sometimes we're not good, are we, at following instructions? We're not good at doing exactly what we've been told to do because we think we know better sometimes, don't we? We think that we have a much better idea and we ought to do it our way. But it doesn't always turn out well for us. In a moment, we're going to come back to those stories of Jonah and the first disciples who both heard an instruction and reacted in completely different ways. But how do we react When we hear God's instructions, do we respond well or do we react, perhaps as Jonah did, in fear? We heard earlier on part of the end of the story of Jonah. But as we come back to the beginning of Jonah, we see him hearing from God a message that he had to go to a place called Nineveh and preach against them because they had become wicked. I can't imagine that this went down terribly well with Jonah, really. It's not the sort of thing you want to hear, is it? Go and tell somebody, go and tell a whole town that what they're doing is wrong. And Jonah clearly decided that he didn't fancy this. (laughs) He thought, do you know what? I'm not going to do that. And so he ran from God. He went in the opposite direction. He went away from the call that God had placed on his life. And we all know the story. Jonah ends up in a boat 
the weather becomes awful, a bit like today, really. (laughs) The weather becomes terrible. And eventually, Jonah realizes that all of this is his own fault, that this is happening because he's chosen to disobey God. And so he tells them to throw him out, and he ends up in the belly of this big fish. I used to work at a place called Cliff College, and uh, while we were there, the college used to send us out to work with churches in mission. And there was one particular occasion that I was at a weekend um, over bonfire night, actually, at a church, and the event that we were doing at the church had finished much earlier than we thought it was going to. And so myself and the girl who was staying with me at the same house, we thought, let's follow these signs that we've been seeing all day about a bonfire party. And so we followed the signs, we followed the signs, and this is before everybody had a sat-nav on their phone. So my greatest concern at this point was, will we find our way back again following these signs? And we continued and continued, and eventually we pulled sort of onto a track that was in the middle of a field And you could see that the bonfire party was happening somewhere over in the distance at a farm. However, as we drove along this long track, we realized that it had actually finished. We could start to see people packing away. And so we thought, is there really any point us carrying on, driving right to the end of this long track to just find that we need to turn around and come back? And so we said, oh, we'll just do a quick turnaround now. And so... I pulled my car onto the field, and at that point, I realized that it had been raining constantly for about two weeks, and my car did not want to move anymore. (laughs) And so we tried forwards, we tried backwards, we managed to cover the whole car in mud, (laughs) and we stopped, and we just were like, we're stuck now, a little bit like Jonah, in the boat and in the belly of the fish completely now stuck and we realized that the only way we were going to get out of this mess was getting out and I opened my car door and the water level was right up to the bottom of the door and I thought this was a really bad idea wasn't it (laughs) but I had to get out I had to get out of the boat as Jonah did and get into a place that wasn't really I imagine the most pleasant (laughs) The belly of the fish can't have been a lovely place to be. Walking through this muddy pool of water, really, on the edge of a field, in brand new trainers as well. And if you know me, you know that that was a bad thing to happen to me. To go and get some help. To go and do what we needed to do. Unfortunately, we were lucky enough to find the kind farmer who lived at the other end of this field. And as soon as we stood at his door, he knew exactly why we were there. And I said, you're not, we're not the first ones, are we? And he was like, no, you're not, and you'll probably not be the last. <laughs> and he pulled the car out of the field, and we were able to get on our way. Jonah realized whilst inside this fish that he needed to do what God was asking him to do, that running wasn't helping. He was in a mess, but he needed to move on. He needed to take those steps and go and do what God was calling him. And so he went and he spoke to the people and amazingly, they responded well. They repented. They put on sackcloth and ashes as a sign of how sorry they were for what they'd been doing. He heard the call of God 
And yet, because he thought the job would be a horrible one, he ran. And yet, he was totally wrong. He went to Nineveh. The people heard his words, and they repented and changed. How often do we make those assumptions and think that we don't want to do that because that is not going to end well? Perhaps out of fear sometimes about what might happen. And yet, this tale of Jonah reminds us that God's plans are always good ones. And so we come on to the disciples. We heard the story earlier of the disciples in their boat, literally about to go out fishing. And Jesus comes along and he calls to them. And they drop everything and follow him. Now, at the time, it wasn't unusual for people to have bands of followers. It was quite normal for traveling teachers to move about with a band of followers amongst them. And yet, it seems that up until this point, nobody had inspired Simon or Andrew or James or John enough for them to say, do you know what, we're going to give up our life, we're going to leave our father in the boat, and we're going to follow They weren't the kind of people who jumped on every bandwagon. And yet, what was it that persuaded these tough, hard-working men to drop everything at quite a crucial time, really, as the boat was about to go out to follow Jesus? Was it something in what he said to Simon and Andrew? They were busy at work, and then a man arrives who says, I can teach you to fish for people. Did something in this catch their imagination and make them think this sounds like something completely different? Did something of who he was perhaps appeal to James and John? We have no record of what he said to them, but yet he made enough of an impact there and then for them to step away and to follow Jesus. What do we do when we hear an instruction? I have two dogs at home. One dog, Jenny, is is 10 years old now, and she's really, really good at doing what she's told, unless she thinks that there's no good reason to do it. She's a golden retriever, and apparently stubbornness runs through the, the, um, the breed. And so most of the time, Jenny does really well. And she does what she's been asked to do. And she moves to where you want her to go. And she stops when you tell her to stop. And she's generally quite good, apart from the odd occasion where she looks at you and says, why? And you can see it in her eyes that she's saying, why? A few years ago, Billy came along. Now, Billy is a just three-year-old Cocker Spaniel. And Billy is not terribly good at being told what to do. He's a lot better than he used to be. But even now, Billy's concerned more with what he's doing than what you're asking him to do. And upon the arrival of Billy, you could see Jenny starting to show off a little bit because you'd be sat there and you'd say, get down the settee or something. And Jenny, straight away, she'd be like, getting down, going, see, I've done it, look at me, aren't I good, aren't I the special one? Meanwhile, Billy would be jumping from settee to settee and looking out the window and seeing what else he could do. And we reached a point where 
Jenny seemed like she was determined to do everything as soon as possible to prove that she could follow instructions and she was more worthy of a treat than Billy. Bless him, he's, he's getting there. <laughs> he's still a trial some days though. But it's a bit like us, isn't it, really? There are some of us who are very willing to follow, to do what we've been asked to do. And some of us who are more interested in what we're getting on with at that moment, who are more bothered about our own lives, our own concerns, our own worries, than we are to say, I've heard an instruction I ought to follow. And so what do we do when we hear God's call? Are we open? Are we listening for his voice? Do we recognize his voice when he speaks to us? Do we dare to believe that these words, this call, could be from God? And do we act upon what we hear? I believe that God speaks far more than we realize. And perhaps the more we listen, the more we notice. God's calls aren't always of the go to Nineveh type. They're not always huge, scary tasks. Sometimes they're much smaller things. Can you think of when you've been to visit someone or when you've rung someone up or when you've done a little job for someone and afterwards you've thought to yourself, I'm ever so glad I did that today because. And in that because is all of the reasons why it was right that we rang that person up why it was right that we popped round to see if they were okay, why it was right that we went and helped out with the job that was going on. Is it possible that as God's spirit lives within each one of us, he can inspire us from within, spark a thought of something that we should do to help us to serve him in a particular way that day? I believe the more we respond to these suggestions from God, the more we become to recognize his voice, to notice his nudges perhaps. And the more we answer those calls, the more we live as his hands and feet in this world, serving him and doing his work. Is God speaking to you? Is God calling you? Does he spark things in your mind of how you can help today, of how you can care today, of how you can look after someone else today, particularly in the world that we're living in at the moment? And how do you respond when you hear that call? Do you panic and run in the opposite direction, just as Jonah did? Or do you dare to take a chance that it really might be God speaking and follow the lead of the disciples at the side of the lake so many years ago to drop everything and to follow the voice of the one who saved you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, our world is so busy and so tormented at the moment. Our lives are so full of things that we need to do, things that we mustn't do, 
who we can be with, who we can't be with. Oh, Father, sometimes in all of that busyness, all of that stress, all of those concerns and those worries, we fail to listen to you. We fail to hear that voice speaking to each one of us. Father God, we pray that you would help us to be more open to your voice, more open to hear your words, and more willing to respond to your love. And Lord God, we want to bring before you our world. Lord, there is so much for us to think about at the moment. But Lord, we bring to you today the spread of coronavirus around this earth. Father, we pray particularly for countries who do not have excellent healthcare systems, whose healthcare systems were already struggling and have become overwhelmed. And Lord, we ask that by your spirit you would move in those situations. Father, we pray for those who've been affected by flooding, particularly in France and Italy. Lord, we pray that you would care for those people, that your spirit would move in those situations, healing and helping. Father, we pray for the many people who seem to be out of our news at the moment, but who still live in war-torn countries who now have so many more reasons to be scared to leave their front doors. And Lord, we ask for peace in this world, that by your spirit, you would move amongst the people involved in war, involved in violence, and help them to learn to live with others. Father, we pray for those who do not have enough at the moment, whether they be people in countries where there is famine, where there is drought, where there is flooding, whether they be refugees who have left their own nation in search of a better life, in search of safety. Father, we ask for your provision for all of these people. And Lord, as we think about our own nation, we continue to bring before you our own response to the coronavirus in this world. Lord, in our own country, we pray that you would help each one of us to do the best that we can to stop the spread. And Father, we bring before you all of the people right now who are suffering because of this virus. Whether they are ill, whether they have been bereaved, or whether they live a life of fear and concern because of what the virus may do. Lord, may your spirit minister to them today. And Father, we bring to you our own community. We bring to you the people who are on our hearts today. People who we're worried about for so many reasons. People who are grieving. People who are ill. People who are struggling with day-to-day -day life at the moment. People who don't have enough. People who are worried about their jobs. Father, we bring to you the individuals who are on our hearts today in a few moments of silence.
May your spirit move amongst these people, bringing healing, bringing peace, and bringing that sense of simply resting in your presence. For we pray all of these names, these prayers in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. As you go today, may your ears be listening for God's call. May your hearts be ready to respond. And may your hands be willing to do his work in this world. And may the blessing of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love now and evermore. Amen. Thank you. We would never have known you'd had any problems. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll say goodbye now to everybody and to those listening at home. And we hope we'll see you next week um, when the preacher will be Maureen Partington. Thank you.